Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, I've really enjoyed our chess games. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> and I hope this makes the podcast, quite frankly. Um, you you were trash talking. You, you, your humble game is not really intriguing to me at all. It was, it was, it was cute at first. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you beat me twice in a row. Like, uh, Well, the first one was a draw. Second one, I, I wa- I've watched a few videos on opening moves and things. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay, I'm scared. Well, welcome to Preacher Lab uh, for preachers just like you and I. Uh, it is the week of November 21st, 2021. And we have my friend, the handsome, lovely, <laughs> kind, compassionate, fun, David Killingsworth here. Hey, Will. Thanks for that. Um, handsome on the radio. Yep. Handsome on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. Well, thanks for joining me um, this week. And uh, let's let's jump right in. Um, what are you preaching on this week? Where are you going? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Will. I really appreciate this podcast. I haven't listened to every episode, but what I I have listened to, I'm just I'm really grateful for for this podcast to hear what other preachers are doing and how they're processing and how they're doing their best to be faithful. So, this is a real gift for me, uh, and I hope that it's received well. And I can't wait for your ratings to tank after this episode. So, pretty excited about that for you. Um, but uh, no, so what I'm preaching on this week, we are actually finishing a sermon series uh, at my church, uh, First United Methodist Church here in Sanford. Um, it's been a seven week sermon series on healing. Um, what is healing? who needs healing, where does healing come from? And uh, it's it's been a really powerful journey. We've, um, I'll kind of run you through the weeks. We started with the idea of we have to name that we're sick, right? We have to know that we need healing in order to get it. Um, you can't fix something that you can't acknowledge. So starting first with we need to name where we are. The second week we talked about we all come from certain contexts, and we talked about some of the genealogies in Scripture and how some of those characters have been um, have had some different and interesting past, and so are we. we are, we're in that lineage as well, and that sometimes we need to heal from our context and our past and our past mistakes. We've talked about how we need to heal in community. Um, we've talked about how God is the source of our healing. We've talked about how um, healing is uh, presence, and that was All Saints Day, That what, what often in our grief. Um, often in our in our pain, God meets us with companionship and surrounds us with a great cloud of witnesses. It was a really powerful service to have that understanding of healing within the courts of all saints. Uh, and then last week, we talked about how healing is for everyone. We preached on Mark 5, Megan preached on Mark 5 about how, you know, Jesus does not discriminate with his healing. Mark 5 is the, the, the chapter where Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, his, his daughter has died. And he's just a rich and powerful man. And then there's also the unnamed bleeding woman uh, who's been bleeding for 13 years. These sort of very different characters. And Jesus heals them both uh, and finds healing there. So that was a really powerful sermon that Megan delivered last week. And I'm finishing the series this week. Um, I'm in Isaiah 52 and 53. And I'm also in Hebrews 4 and 5. It's so weird. It, it like I know it sounds strange, right? But like it's like the end of one chapter into the next. So it's like Isaiah 52 nine through Isaiah 53, 12. And then that never really happens. And it's happening literally in both readings. And so it's also Hebrews 4, 14 through five, I think nine again, but it, this is the, uh, the suffering servant uh, passage from Isaiah that, you know, uh, that, that Jesus, the, 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 the Messiah, right. Meets us in our humanity and in our humanity is suffering and kind of re, re, re part of our humanity is suffering and that God is not some um, uncompassionate third party, but God is in it with us. And, and Hebrews picks up on that language and kind of carries it through that God is, a, or Jesus is the great high priest that advocates for us, that doesn't look on us, you know, with indignation or um, ignorance, but like does know what it means to be hurt, um, does know what it means to be in pain, does know what it means to be, to be in need of healing. And, and so kind of God meets us there in the midst of that. Um, taking wounded healers from where I know it best is from Henry Nowen. He may not be the originator of the phrase, but he wrote the book on wounded healer. And basically, the, I think the premise of where I, I'd like to go is that I think we're called to show up in the midst of ourselves and our full selves, right? So like 
so often we think, oh, I'd love to help this guy or I'd love to give, I'd love to help this person down the road, but I've still got my own stuff that I'm working on. Um, and I've got my own things that I've got to process. And I, th- I think that's true. And you want to be careful and you want to be kind to yourself. But but also, I think part of our healing journey is helping others along the way. And I, and I truly believe that we find our fullest sense of healing when we help others to heal. It's a bit of an ironic space, right? That like, we don't get there until we can pass that on. Um, you know, the 12th, 12th step of the 12th step programs is give it away. Go find somebody else that needs this. And I think that's so keen here um, that we show up in the midst of our woundedness, knowing that we're not perfect. And sorry, I'm droning on here, but, and if I know the specifics of woundedness, um, that's a, that's a, it may not seem like it, but that's a gift, right? It's the foundation of every 12 step recovery group. It's the foundation of any grief share group that basically the people in the room are going through it with you and are willing to share that to say, Hey, me too. Um, the power of empathy, the power of companionship that I think is just kind of invaluable. Um, and I shared this quote in one of the first sermons, but there's a quote from Ted Lasso that was like, everybody in the room right now is sad. And he's talking about obviously the, the, the context of a lost soccer game, but I think it applies to a lot of different things. Right. But then he continues the quote by saying, hey, but there's something worse than being sad and that's being sad and being alone. And I think that part of what wounded healing, wounded healers were called to show up in our sadness, in our hurt um, for others who are going through it as well. But I think that's the direction I'm going. That's, again, what I'd like to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, call me back on Sunday. We'll have a, a follow-up, see how, how, how it went, <laughs> right? But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, when, when you were talking about the whole, all those the seven sermon series, I I kept thinking about the twelve steps um, of, and you're kind of. It sounds like you're kind of following that similar process. Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, I, you know, twelve steps are rooted in spiritual uh, truths, and 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 from a Christian perspective, though it's, it's adapted over time. Um, but yeah, there's some deep foundational stuff. I preach about AA. I preach about recovery groups all the time. I think that there's a real gift. This is not related to wounded healing, but I say this all the time and I'm grateful to share it in a way that um, I I can share it now. But um, there's something powerful about showing up into a room of people you don't know, sharing a sentence about your life that has cost you a lot, perhaps, maybe jobs, maybe relationships, maybe safety, a truth about your life that you'd rather not share. And you share that with a group of people you don't know. And the very next sentence that you hear is welcome. Mm. That's it. Like show me that let's, let's, let's let the church do that. Right. That's, that's the call of the church. And I think that um, I, so I'm so grateful for, for those groups, for, for not only folks who I know who've gone through them, um, and, and folks in my life that have benefited from them, but also just the gifts they give to the world uh, mm-hmm. in that way. How, how do you think, I mean, I'm just not trying to think about how powerful that is of knowing about welcome and, and your experience with those groups and friends and family that's had those. How does that impact, how has that experience helped your preaching? Um, say, ask that question again, but ask it differently. So, Thinking about that, the 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 framework of AA and A, these twelve step groups, and and your experience with them, and the stories that you've heard, how has that kind of structure, that space, impacted how you preach or your goal of preaching? Oh yeah, so I think it's a different. Um, so I know there are folks in the room. I know there are always folks in the room that have been affected by those groups, or that are currently in those groups, or that have you know. So it makes it very personal to me that it's not just some hypothetical, hey, in theory, this idea of a 12-step program is nice. It's no. There's a grittiness here. There's a roughness here that like is real, right? And and it's in the room with us. And so it's not just something that's a hypothetical exercise. It's like, ugh. <laughs> and and that and that's a good thing, right? That that sort of exasperation can be a really good thing. Um, to be reminded that that this stuff matters. This, this is not some philosophical exercise, but this is what people, this is people's livelihood. 
Yeah, so it, it makes the abstract real almost. It puts bone skin. Why did you on. let me keep talking when I when you just said that easily? No, 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 no. I mean, it's helpful because I, I've never thought about it. I mean, that's why I'm asking the question. Um, but I, I mean, it make, yeah, you're making, you can talk about hurt and pain and loss. And I mean, you're preaching on a suffering, the suffering son of God, but pulling that into today, you can talk about this abstract idea, but you're actually, you've, you've seen it happen. You've seen the experience and you've seen the healing that can happen in these, that's why you start with the seven weeks. You can see where healing happens. Yeah. I I think that, and this is maybe bleeding into the next part of the conversation, but what I think most people are interested in, that's not the right way to say it. I think what a lot of people connect with in a sermon is the application. Where does this matter Mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. I may have heard this. I mean, gosh, I've got folks in my congregations who, in my congregation who are 86 years old, 92 years old. I mean, they've heard... Isaiah 52 preached before. They know the suffering sermon. They could probably preach the sermon. Um, where does it matter to them? Where does this impact? Where does this intersect in your life today and now? And I think that um, that's what's really, that's what people, I, I frankly believe that's what people want to hear in a sermon. Okay, so so what, right? Big deal. Suffering servant, you read a commentary, you went on Ministry Matters, that's fantastic. Good for you. Where does this apply? Yeah. So how do you how do you draw that out in your sermons when you're preaching? I was really hoping you were gonna tell me. Um, I was really <laughs> I was really hoping this is what this was about this week. Yeah. <laughs> um well, so I think that you know, part of the foundational thing that Henry Nowen says uh in the beginning of that book is no real authentic presence can be had without tapping into that space in yourself. And so I think it's a lot of work um, to to do, and this doesn't happen just for this one sermon. I think this is part of the journey of, of pastoral ministry for me, is getting in touch with where I connect with this. Where is it that I'm intersected with this? Where is my pain? Where is my where do I need to heal? Where do I need to kind of come to come to Jesus in this place? Um, knowing that it's not the exact context, it's not the same as everybody else, but I think that um, it doesn't need to be. Uh, what, it, what it needs to be is authentic to me and to, to where I think my people are, um, and inviting them into that space to do that work themselves as well. But I can't invite, I can't give what I don't have, right? And I can't invite people to do the work that I'm not willing to do myself. So I think that that's, that's the, there's the rub, you know? Yeah. So you've had to do a lot of work on your own self, your own self-reflection, and particularly for this sermon, your own healing in order to share some of these things. Yeah. And I think that there's a difference. I've got some really good advice over the years. You know, you don't want to bleed out on the pulpit. You don't want to just completely say, oh my gosh, this is everything I've ever struggled with ever. Um, but also I would never pretend like I'm not struggling with anything. So I think it's a really it's a delicate balance um, because I don't want people to walk away being like, oh my gosh, is the pastor okay? Yeah. Um, and and that could be a real that could be a real temptation at times. It's be like, look at me, I'm suffering. I'm you know, but then I'm then you're basically putting yourself in the role of Jesus there, and that's that's a dangerous thing to do. Um, but I think that also, like, gosh, no one is exempt. Um, I mean, healing is for everyone. I think that this is really the culmination of. This doesn't always happen this way, but I, I really have been thinking about this week. This is sort of the culmination of the seven weeks all in one, right? So, like, we have to acknowledge that we're hurting. We have to acknowledge that we carry stuff in ourselves so that we can show up for other people and heal in community and realize that I'm not—I'm going to borrow a uh, a quote from Fannie Lou Hamer. I'm going to adapt it. She says, nobody's free till everybody's free. And I think in the same way, nobody's healed till everybody's healed, realizing that there are folks out there that until I'm willing to do the work— and show up for them and not that it's me it's on me but 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 part of that like folks need people to show up for them and to be present and healing and and i know you encounter that all the time in ministry and i know that you know most folks listening to this encounter that it's different hurts in different contexts of the state and different wherever you are but like it's there people are hurting and i think that was a large um catalyst for this series uh, it wasn't there on the on the on the calendar originally it actually got changed to hey i think we actually need to talk about healing um 
Oh, wow. So tell, tell me, tell me more about that. Why, why did it change? And I, and I know you and Megan are co-pastors and, and preach together um, and plan the sermons together. How did, how did that change? Yeah, it's actually changed twice. So we have a worship calendar. It's probably the one thing that, that I'm really, I think is, is really helpful. Um, it's a, it's a Google sheet and it's, it's basically got every sermon we've preached since it didn't start immediately, but probably the fall of 2017. So we've been here since July 1st, 2017. And, and basically around August or September, we started this calendar. It's got the scriptures that were preached to the preacher any theme notes that we've got. Um, we have liturgists in our context, you know, read the scriptures, who was the liturgist, any special music. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty inclusive document. And that's been one of the best things that we've done from a preaching planning standpoint, because it, it shows us where we've been. Um, it shows us these sort of broad strokes. And um, often, more often than not, the document is useful and to be like, hey, where do we feel like healing is present in scripture most visibly? Oh, well, what if it's this scripture? When's the last time we preached Hebrews 4? Well, I can just search Hebrews 4 in this document. I can tell you, oh, it was September 9th, 2018, or whatever. Um, or it was three weeks ago. <laughs> and so maybe maybe let's find a different direction for that. So so it starts with that document from a from a real practical standpoint. That, that document's also shared with a lot of key folks in leadership as far as, you know, music director can see it. Our admin can see it for bulletin stuff. But very practically speaking, it's a very it's a good tool. Um, but, but really where it starts is with the pastoral team. So that's Megan and myself saying, yeah, where are our people? The reverend, our friend, the reverend Mike Lezinski said one time, you know, you've got to exegete your congregation. you got to know where your people are. And so we had this whole highfalutin, you know, sermon series a while ago, and we changed it. I don't even, I don't even remember what it was, but we changed it to a good news sermon series. This is probably two months ago. And the context was, is that Delta, the Delta variant had just come back in. It had actually affected our congregation in a very personal way. Folks were out sick. It was a heavy time. And we were going to preach on something else. We, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't even recall, but really what we sat down and said, and we actually asked some members of our congregation, what is it you need to hear right now? And almost to a person, they said, God, we need some good news because everything, everything is heavy. So we did a sermon series several weeks in a row about what Jesus does. You know, I've come to bring good news, you know, um, and kind of playing off that Luke 4 passage. Uh, but also, like, where is their hope? Where is their goodness in the midst of this? And not trying to deny it. I think Jesus shows up in it, um, but also brings a word of hope. And that's what we we're trying to do. And in a similar way, this sermon series on healing followed that to like, okay, we can find some good news. And then we work towards wholeness. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, part of our task is to is to be present in that and to do the work uh, of healing and and hoping. So what's what? So you've got this this worship document that has sermon series planned. Uh, what is what is that process of putting the document together? Does that is that you and Megan? Is that a team? Is that you guys go apart for a while and think about your own ideas and then come together? What does that What does that look like? <sighs> All of the above, frankly. I mean, so Megan and I, again, like I said, it, may, it largely starts with, with with our understanding of where people are at, where we think that we ought to go. You know, we follow we we follow lectionary on like Advent and Lent because we want to get the you know the right story right, and uh, so the, the, some of the more traditional tracks where we would follow lectionary. But we're pretty freeform in other parts of the year, um, you know, and, and that inspiration comes from all all stripes. Hey, gosh, somebody said this to me and it really struck something to me. Um, Megan is a processor when she goes for a run. So oftentimes like, Hey, we don't know what we're going to preach on. Can you go for a run? And you just going to like get inspired, um, which is really cool. But, uh, you know, and, it's, and a lot of times it happens in pieces. So we, um, we try to have a weekly, you know, formal sit down around a table, worship planning, gathering, but our context of personal life right now is pretty chaotic. You know, we, so we share this appointment. Each of us is half time. Um, so best we've got 20 hours a week. Um, we have other jobs and we have two small kids at home. And so, uh, and one of them is not currently in childcare uh, because there's, we, we can't find a place for him. And that's not really it for, for any other word than it's kind of crazy some days in my house and in the office. And so sometimes it's uh, the worship planning meetings are, 
very broad strokes. Where do you think we ought to go in the next six months? Okay. Um, and then we come down and we sort of sift through that. And they say, here's a couple of ideas. We'll sort of spitball. Well, we could go this direction. We can go to this direction. Sometimes it does include asking specifically, Hey, where, are, where are you at to, to press, you know, to folks in the congregation. And we try to ask widely, you know, folks who've been in the congregation for 70 years and folks who had shown up, you know, two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and try to really meet our people where they are. But then again, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a progressive thing. So it's like, I think this is a big picture and then, Oh, let's scrap that. That doesn't, that's not going to work. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it starts kind of really, really big picture. And we also try not to go too far out. And I know that's much to the chagrin of some of our folks, you know, I think our, uh, some of our folks in our community that see the calendar that need it, you know, for planning and stuff like that would love us to go three years in advance. I just, I just can't see, I can't see doing that. I mean, I could do it, but it would be a constant revision. It would be a constant, nope, not this week, can't do that, changing it, moving it. You know, I, I just, I think it would be more work in the long run. And so part of me is like, let's do eight weeks. Let's do, you know, three months. Let's go through the end of the year. Um, let's get to that next hurdle so that we can continue to be listening. Um, and if we have to move something, it's not like moving the foundations of the earth. It's like, oh, okay just swap that with this or, or can't, I wasn't even, you know, it's not like set in stone. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing you say that you're doing that so that you can listen to your people and exegete them and, and know what's going on. Because if you're, if you're going to preach on, I mean, if you're preaching on healing and everybody's healed, (laughs) then, uh, you know, if that's not the need of the congregation or if you're for your good news series, like you, you change that because you, you knew your congregation and that was the, one of the key starting points I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I, I, that sounds, the way you said that back to me sounds much, probably much more noble than it is. Um, I, that's definitely part of it. Don't get me wrong. That's absolutely a part of, of what we're trying to do. We definitely want to listen to our people. Practically speaking to time is a commodity, you know, yeah. uh, that long-term visioning, um, even when it does happen, doesn't always feel the most faithful to where we are. Um, and so I think making space for that, for sure. So, so did, walk me through, what is, so you're preaching this week. What does this week look like for you? What is, what does the week look like? Where, what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Is there a lot of emphasis on a particular day or have you done a lot of the work two, three weeks beforehand? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I wish that I could tell you it's the same every time I'm preaching, um, it's not, uh, again, considering the context of kind of where I'm at for the season of life. Um, it used to be, and I, and I think I'd like it to be more emphatic on Thursday. Um, that gives me time to sort of sort through what does a week look like, kind of take care of meetings and then really devote Thursday to the sermon prep aspect of it. Um, but the other, the nice part about it is that we try to have this document done at least a couple of weeks in advance. And so you're already thinking about it. You've already put it down on paper and kind of reflecting back in the initial conversation of why we feel like we should go there. Part of that is the foundation that's being laid for that sermon already, right? Oh, gosh, well, we got to talk about wounded healers because how important is that? Oh, yeah, for sure. That ethos is already there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's already kind of covered. Week of, you know, spending time with the scriptures, I try to read those scriptures as as early in the week as I can, so that it's just it's in me or it's 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 bugging me or one of the things, you know, rather than like I'm, I'm like carrying that to the grocery store. Um, I think that's a really important thing to have that sort of marinating, um, and then sitting down and just started writing. I probably I don't know. If I should share this, um, which is always a great lead into a next truth, but um, I'm very scatterbrained in my approach to planning sermons. I will just write down thoughts that are really inspirational, like not not like quotes, but like what is the core truth of this? I'll just write that down first. I don't work on the, and then I'll go back and I'll work on the opening. And then I, oh, as I'm working on my intro or my opening story or whatever, I think of how this probably should tie to the end. So I'll go from the opening to the ending. Um, and then, oh gosh, oh man, I should, I, I, I've just remembered that I thought this thing in the grocery store with Isaiah 52 and I forgot to write it down. Boom. We're, I'm back in the exegesis part. So all of the type A personalities that are listening right now are horrified, <laughs> um, because it's very like, it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, I think that's inspirational. 
that's the way my brain is processing the information and it works for me. Um, it's, it's, it's a horrifying prospect for, for others. And I get that. Um, do you do that? Do you do that visually? Do you like have a whiteboard that she writes stuff on? Do you do it in a word document? Oh, you- great question. Yeah. Yeah. I should have shared that. I'm a manuscript preacher. Um, and so it is a word document. And so it, it will literally be like, I would just write down a sentence. And sometimes when I'm really on my game and when I really have a lot of time, I will start that word document on Monday of the week that I'm preaching and then say like, all right, if nothing else, I've got heading on it was the date of the sermon that I'm preaching scriptures that I'm preaching. And then like a good morning, <laughs> that's done. Right. Uh, yeah. We're, 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 we've got a lot of momentum in our court right now. And then as the week progresses, it's a working document of saying, Oh yes, this thought, this image, this visual, I've heard you say on this podcast before, you know, just where am I observing this in the world? Uh, what a great gift that is, you know, like just where am I seeing this on the ground? And I think that part of having those scriptures, you know, in your head floating around earlier rather than later is super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you've got, so you work on your manuscript, you've got the whole manuscript done. Um, do you rehearse it? Do you memorize it? Do you have bullet points? What is, what does that look like when you, once you get to Sunday? Yeah. I do not memorize it and I'm not a bullet point preacher. Um, a couple things here. I think this is a really great question. I love this question and I hope you ask it to everybody on the, on the podcast, because I think this is really powerful. Um, so the reason I write manuscripts, I've not always written them. I've done, you know, I used to be in youth ministry and I wouldn't dare write out, you know, my full thoughts because that you can't keep an, an audience of teenagers engaged <laughs> with a script. Right. And some might argue that you can't argue, you can't do that with anybody. And and I, I, I can respect that. So part of the reason that we, or that I feel led to do that is that again, reading my congregation, where are they? And when we first started, we had a bit of an older congregation. And for some reason we have this weird gift of, we've had so many parents of clergy in our congregation it's kind of ridiculous like at least six maybe seven um parents of ds's parents of retired clergy i've got a retired clergy person in my congregation right now who's 92 and served in the local church for 65 years my gosh what what am i going to say to him that he hasn't heard or preached himself right so what what i felt like our folks need is not flash is not form it's content it's mm-hmm. it's deep work of where does this connect with my life in this season right and so as we've grown as we've changed as a congregation we also have a lot of folks who are newer to faith and some of those references some of those some of that approach would be unfaithful to them i don't want to go deep dive and present a ministry matters level you know commentary for folks who may not even know the context of the book of Isaiah, right? So what does that look like? To me, a manuscript gives me the opportunity to honor both parties Mm -hmm. um, in a way that's really faithful. And that's my approach, right? I can write a thought for my 92-year-old retired pastor in a context of a sermon, and I can also write an introductory comment to the book of Isaiah, and I can do them both well, rather than if I trust myself um, to just sort of catch that on the fly. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's not way I, the way I work. So I have a theater major uh, as my undergrad. And one of the things that I hated <laughs> about performing arts is improv. I love to watch improv. I hate to do improv. Yeah. Um, because I think when I'm at my worst, like, okay, as a theater major, as a performance minded person, I can make it. And when I'm at my worst, Will, gosh, I'll just act it. I'll just pretend, yeah. right? I don't want to do that in the pulpit. I really don't want to do that in the pulpit. So I can make up polished words all day long. I can't. I can't. It's, 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 I mean, I'm not the best at it, but it's a possibility. If I leave myself to my own devices to just sort of get there, I'm putting more of myself in the sermon than I think ought to be there. Um, and I'm not saying that it's like not caring about myself vulnerably, like I'm putting what I think sounds good to me in the moment. And I don't, I don't always trust that. And so I trust the idea 
that in the process of writing the manuscript that the spirit is moving and that spirit is moving for all of the people in my congregation. And I'm, I'm able to account for them. I'm also a little bit of a slower processor than some. And so it gives me a space to write out a thought. And then I'm thinking, man, I got a lot of heavy academic stuff in the sermon. I need to come back and say, where is this on a more, um, uh, uh, on a, on a different level, where is this on a, to a person of newer faith? Where is this a person that's just lost their spouse or, or, or child? You know, where do I connect with this? And it, so it gives me kind of an opportunity to examine the sermon over time throughout the week. Be like, I need more of this element in there. Um, rather than just saying like, here are my three points. They're in, absorbed in my heart. And, um, and let's go for it. And we'll see where the Spirit leads on Sunday. I respect preachers that can do that. I just know that I can't. And so I don't. Well, you're you're honoring the craft of preaching by writing a manuscript that you're not just willy nillying it, and you're you're really taking into account. Again, I think I think your the gift that you're sharing with me is you're really trying to care for the people that are there. Um, you're really trying to be empathetic and understanding for the 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 DS for sixty five years and the person that just walked in the door and has been to church twice. Um, so I think on one hand, that's a gift, but you're also honoring your own personality too, of, you know, that it's going to take you some time to process, you know, it's going to take you some time to write out those sentences and make sure you have that particular word, that particular phrase, that particular image well packaged instead of improving it. So I think you're, you're holding the, I'm hearing you say you're holding those two together and it's your, your manuscript that you're writing is intentional. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just, that's just, that's just what I do. You've, you've tried it different ways and you're like, this is the way that fits for me. Yeah. And, and I, that's a great way to say that. I'm, I'm glad you received it that well, that way. And, um, and I, that's not to say that I'm just been reading the document on Sunday. I think that there's definitely been times that I've abandoned parts of it or added, you know, I've, I'm, I made a cut maybe on a last reading that I, that I, it's still in my head, but it's not on my paper and I'll go there um, because okay. it felt right. Know, but based on who showed up or based on what God is doing that morning. Um, you ask a part of a question that I didn't answer. Practically speaking, um, what I've been doing in recent months is showing up to the church earlier and just reading through the document in my office, but pre- preaching it. But, you know, oftentimes the written word is not the spoken word. And so just there's different nuances or, you know, you write a sentence and it sounds good to read, but not to speak. And so changing a comma or, you know, something very basic, but I try to have at least said it out loud once. Um, I don't, I'm not always afforded that privilege, um, but I, I really try to do that so that I can change the way it's heard and not just the way it's written. The other advantage, and this is so secondary, um, but the other advantage of having a manuscript for me has been, there's been somewhat rare occasions in which someone says, oh my gosh, that was really powerful. Uh, Sorry, that sounds like no one ever said, I mean, I don't get it it every week, but it's also not something that ever has happened. But um, I've had, I've had a few times where folks would say, can I have a copy of this? Is that something that I'd love to read it again? I'd love to engage with it again. And I can just hand it to them, you know, oh, here you go. You know, and, and then that's, that's been kind of a hidden gift of that, of like, there's a vulnerability there too. Um, but everything I wrote is there. Um, that definitely gave me a lot of anxiety. The first time somebody asked me, I was like, uh, let me, uh, let me email to you. Uh, you know, cause I'm like, did I leave a, I don't know, terrible reference in there or a note to myself that shouldn't be there or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's been a gift to be able to offer that. What do you think is, as we're thinking about preaching and, and your gifts, what is what is your preaching niche? What is your what do you think as you think about your gift? What is your thing? Um, is it is it wordsmithing? Is it images? Is it use of thought? What is that thing that you say you feel most comfortable preaching stylistically? What's your thing? Mm, that's a great question. I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but I think this is where I feel like I should answer this question. I think one of the things that intrigues me most about <clears throat> often in scripture is like, I guess, what do we call it? The third way 
You know, is that Walter Wink? You know, that's sort yeah. of the powers and principalities, of like the third way, Jesus, you know, turn the other cheek. Like, it's a surprising part of the text. You're going, I think that turn the other cheek just means, you know, submit. Yeah. That's not really what's going on there, right? Like, there's just something else going on there. That aspect of scripture is one of the most fascinating things to me as a human being, right? I love to teach that. I love to preach that. I think in a similar way, part of what my giftedness or my niche in preaching can be, and I want to, I want to be careful how I say this, but like I look like a preacher has looked for the last 50 years, right? I'm a larger framed white man with a beard from the South, right? Part of what I think I have the ability to do, call to do, and what I really enjoy doing is offering an insight that doesn't stuck back 50 years ago as the way preachers used to sound. So I can say things in my body that may not have been heard from someone like my body has said before. And I, I don't know if that's confusing or not, but like even the dynamic of I can say something in a way, same way. And it'd be received differently than if Megan says the same thing. And sometimes that's positive, sometimes that's negative, right? And we just know that. But part of that is embodiment. So part of what I really feel called to, and I don't know if this is a niche, but like saying things almost in that third way side, like surprising, revealing surprising nature of God um, in a way that maybe we haven't heard before, or maybe a way that someone like me hasn't said before that people have heard, because we're in a very traditional downtown church, right? <laughs> We got stained glass windows. We wear robes on Sunday. I mean, I, we look the part, and and we are pastors. Okay, well, don't, don't get me wrong. We're not like you know, fully right, but like I think that like where is it that God is is newly revealing God's self in our midst? And I think that's really what I love to do. So in that way, I love preaching to folks who've been in the church for a long time and maybe think they've got it all figured out, um, and that like I look like they're used to and we all the elements look like they're supposed to be there and and they are but the god is doing a new thing and let's pay attention i think i really love that sweet spot yeah i also love preaching to folks who are new to faith i love sharing that truth for the first time mm-hmm. but i really think what i've gotten really well find at is hey oh, okay no i talked myself into an answer but it happened um um that part in scripture where jesus says you've heard it said Right. So like yeah. there's an old way yeah. and there's a yeah. way that there's a way that's founded in truth and love. But I say to you, so like, keep up, let, come on, come, come along with me. Yeah. Right. So like, Hey, we may be used to this. Look at what we're doing, man. Give me yeah. that. Give me that opportunity. I, I love to preach stuff like that where it's like, yes, I want to honor where you've been and I want to see God take you where God's got for you. And, and what a gift that is to be on the journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For uh, for those of you who have not heard of Walter Wink in the third way, um, YouTube it. You can watch a presentation from him. It's like 50 minutes, but it is, it is excellent. It is, it, it'll change the way you read. It, it, that's, it changed the way I read those texts of turn the other cheek, go the extra mile and take off your inner cloak. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but I, I think that's, Dave, you are, you are the surprising preacher. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word, but you, I mean, you're the guy that you'd expect people to get up and say, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And, and even if you started that way, and then as you move through, you're surprising people with your content of, no, it's not about, it's, it's not about just rolling over and letting somebody slap you on the cheek. It's actually about the, what hand you're using in an open, open hand, closed fists, and, and, and you're able to, with your body and your particular, your particular, who you are as, as Dave, um, you're able to, to shift an understanding for people. And I'm here. I mean, even when you're talking about it, I hear you light up because you're like, oh, I love those people who have, I mean, and you're in a perfect place then those people who have been in the church for 45, 50 years, how can I help them see scripture in a new light, a new vantage point, um, and, and open it up into something very different. Yeah, no, that's a great, I, I love that. And I think that it's also really a foundational truth for me and what I try to do in preaching in general. So we're not 
complete lectionary preachers. We're just not. I mean, sometimes when we need space and 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 to fill the two weeks or whatever, like it's a great gift for us. But I mean, if I, sometimes I lament that because I think that like a true lectionary preachers, and I know plenty of them. Um, you preach a three-year cycle, you come back to that text, you are not the same person. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, God has, there's a lot of changes in three years. There's a lot that moved. And I think that the temptation can be is, oh, I've preached this before. Um, yes, let me say it again. I'll just change the names of the, of the, the story and we'll be done. And I get to, you know, have a week off essentially from finance sermon. I actually share this quick story. I uh, filled in as an interim pastor for another congregation not too long ago. It's probably two years ago. And uh, it was just for three months or so. But I remember one of their very faithful, very foundational church leadership folks looked at me when I got there the first week. And, and they said, man, what a gift, because you've got like three years of sermons that we've never heard. You should just preach those. And Will, I got to tell you, for about 30 minutes, I was like, huh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. But like, I would shrivel and die. I would just, yeah. my creativity would just completely go extinct. Because if I'm just recycling old sermons and changing one or two things about it, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Like, it's not being faithful to God's movement here and now, this week in Sanford, Florida, where I am this week, right? Like, it's not faithful to the congregation. It's not, I don't, it's just not my call. It's not my vocational calling. Um, and so, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it, I do think that you, you gave words to that in a way that, that really are inspiring of like, yeah, because I think God is continuing to surprise me. And surprise us. And like, oh my gosh, even though, you know, we've heard the scripture again to my older folks in the congregation, we've heard the scripture 85 times. And yet it's different. And there's yeah. something new there. And how do we find that together? Yeah. And, and I think when you preach, you know, if this is going well or not, you know, <laughs> if, you know, if it's interesting to you or not. And, and if you were to preach those three years of sermons, I would imagine knowing you, Dave, that you would be just bored out of your mind, which then would come across as you were bored, which means the congregation would be like, this is boring. Uh, yep. This is not interesting. It's not engaging because you've already done it once. And and I think when when we honor the craft of preaching, it create it has like a spark and it sparks something within us of, oh, I've never read that text that way, or I've never seen that word connect with that word or yeah. that story in that particular context or in the context of where we're living, of what's happening in, in the world. So, I, I mean, I think that's just, a, that's inspiring for me to remind me as well of all of these things that we preach, the newness of them. The scriptures have been, they've been around forever for a long time, but they continue to open us up and read us too. Yeah. And revelation's a process, right? And so I think that that if you came back to that scripture or that sermon that you knew was awesome, <laughs> man, because you know when it's bad, but you also know when it's good. Yeah. And you can feel a sermon and you're like, yes. And like, even if I wanted to preach that same sermon again, I actually believe you can't. I just don't think you can. Mm -hmm. Because I think a truly faithful sermon is 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 faithful to the moment, yeah. and the context of the exact moment of that time and space. You know, preaching a sermon uh, on Paul's feeling of isolation and separate from the church that he wants dearly to be with felt very different before March of 2020, yeah. right? I mean, like, there's just a different space. There's a different mindset in our culture and our consciousness that, that affects the way we read the scriptures. Yeah. And, you know, separateness and isolation and all this stuff, it just, it, as the children say, it slaps differently these days. Uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, it's so that's so good. And so the world is different. Us, we are different. Our voices are different. The way in which we prepare is different. I mean, the way in yes. which you prepare now is a manuscript, but three years ago it might have been some bullet points. Um, right. And and all of that difference rotates scripture so you see it differently. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, Dave, um, are there any final final thoughts, ideas, things you want to leave with preachers who are listening? Yeah, um, there are. <laughs> yeah, yes. 
<laughs> yes, thank you. See ya. <laughs> See you next episode. Yeah, um, maybe just to cap that off, right? I think the greatest gift that any preacher can give their congregation is their authentic self. I really believe that. There are some preachers who have best stories and they can come up with a story at the drop of a hat. There are some preachers that read the text from an academic standpoint that I can only dream to attain. There are some preachers that uh, are body embodied preachers that move. And there are some preachers that, that stay right behind the pulpit. And I think that all of them are doing their best to be faithful to where God has called them. And all of them are excellent preachers or, you know, if they're, if they're really in that moment, I, I don't think that I've done a lot of thinking about this this week. And I, just, I think that I, I think the best gift you can give um, is showing up and being real. Um, you, one of the questions you, 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 you kind of floated in our conversation before was what's the best uh, critique or compliment or whatever. And I, I honestly think it's, it's when somebody comes up to me and says, I know you meant, you meant that. Mm-hmm. I know you meant that. Or, or maybe even more directly, I know you felt that, yeah. right? It wasn't just some word exercise for you. Um, there was emotion involved. There was, there was a, there was a vulnerability involved. There was, you were present. Um, and whatever it takes to get you there, do that. Whatever, you know, forget who, 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 how preacher Y or X down the street does it because they're not in your context and are in your congregation. Yeah. Be, be, I mean, it sounds very, very cliche almost, but be authentically yourself and show up because I think that, and, and Allie said this on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. If you can't do that, it doesn't matter how good of a preacher you are. <laughs> yeah. And I believe that uh, she was, I was like, I, man, I went to church on that podcast. She was like preaching yeah. to me about yeah. preaching to me. Yeah. That was very, <laughs> very cool. Um, but like she, she says it right. I mean, like if you can't be authentic and you can't be honest about who you are and where you're coming mm-hmm. from, nobody wants to listen to you. Yeah. 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 I think it's Dr. Seuss who said, um, there's nobody more you are than you. There's nothing more that's truer than true. Um, and, uh, good doctor. Will, good can doctor. I tell you something? I, yeah. I know you were trying to wrap it up. Can I drag this on? No, please. No. Yeah. This is my gift. It's my yeah. spiritual gift of, of delay. Um, uh, another book, another question you asked was what book has I, have I read in the last yeah. year? And considering the context of having two tiny humans in my house that take a lot of my time and, and also being bivocational and also, you know, there's a, whatever, everybody's got their stuff in their context, but I have not read a single book in the last year that's on any leadership list or any sort of, um, uh, you know, personal growth, whatever, no preaching. No, it's not making any preaching list, but I was like, so I, I read that question and I was like, oh, he's going to ask me that. I'm just gonna be the worst answer. But the spirit just moved in this conversation and you quoted the good doctor. And quite literally, I was prepared to say the, the book that I've read that's been the most influential in me in the last year is Oh, the Places You'll Go by oh. Dr. Seuss. Um, because... <laughs> There's this one, uh, this man, there's this one line in that book that just wrecks me every single time. It says, and, and I'll try to do, I, I can't recall it exactly, but it's like, you'll be on your way up. You know, you'll, you'll fly with fly, high flyers who fly to high heights. You'll be the best of the best and the top of the top and you'll go places and you'll never stop. And then it like, the book shifts in this one turn of a page and it goes, except when you don't. Mm. Man, you want to talk about words that have changed my life. It's it's while he was still a long way off in the the story of the prodigal son. uh, So Daniel three, he says, but if not like God is, I pray to God, I believe God can save us. But if not, I'm still, I'm still going to believe in God. My faith is still strong. And then this phrase in Dr. Seuss, not quite the same caliber, but, but still. So it says, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say it's sad, but it's true. But hang-ups and bang-ups will happen to you. And it goes on and it talks about, you know, you come down from your flight into a 
splurch and prickly perch and all the fun rhymes that he does. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he says, and after your lurch, uh, you'll probably land in a slump. And uh, and then it says, I think the, the fr- like unslumping yourself is not easily done. Listen, I've read that book probably 300 times. Um, and every single time I get to that point of like, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm like, this is a gift. This is a gift. <laughs> Frankly, um, I don't really trust uh, his medical advice, but Dr. Seuss has a way with words and I'm grateful. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Dave, that is, oh, that is beautiful. Uh, that is just, because I, I, I'm sure you read that to your kids. Um, and, and yeah. And so the hardest part of that book is explaining why daddy is crying, uh, <laughs> reading it. <to> us. <laughs> Not that sad. Why are you weeping? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I, I'm weeping. Uh, I, I hope it's okay. I'm going to, I think I'm going to use that in my sermon this week. Is that okay? Um, I'll steal that. I'll quote you. It's not, it's not my words. Well, okay. Well, I, I guess I can ask Dr. Seuss. You know, I'll, I'll write him a note. Fair um, <laughs> no, oh, that's, that's just a, that's a gift because it, sometimes I know for me, I get wrapped up in some of the theology and some of the leadership and the preaching and the context and the, the cadence of a voice. And what do you do with your hands and, and all of these pieces. Um, and I think it's important because it, it it's, it's a craft, but to the heart of it is sharing your experience. Um, and, and even when I ask this question, what's your favorite book? People say, well, I have this book and that book and they're great books, but this is like something that is like near and dear to you. Um, and, and yeah. that's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. I don't have any of those leadership books, uh, committed to memory. So that maybe speaks something. No, no. I mean, I, th- I think Dr. Se- Dr. Seuss is a, a leadership theology book in itself. Listen, let's talk to the boom. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get it on the list. It'd be the, it'd be the shortest one on the list would be, it would be a real gift for everybody yeah. else. Too, yeah. So. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, Dave, thank you. Thank you for being on this and sharing your heart and sharing what you're preaching on about healing and just sharing how you preach and how you plan and Dr. Seuss. And oh, this was really, really good. Thanks, Will. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a great privilege of mine to join the voices that have already been on this. And I'm, I'm so excited for this journey for you and for, for all the preachers out there that are listening. Um, I really do think it's a gift and, and what a, what a, what a challenge and what a, what a resource for folks to realize, um, like you're doing it and you're doing the best you can and what gosh yes keep doing that one step at a time right so i'm grateful yeah well thanks dave all right take care